we, uh, we began a series last week called Who is My Neighbor? I pray it was a blessing to you. Uh, Pastor Miles McPherson was so incredible preaching uh, on the third option. Did anybody like that message? Was that great? And uh, I want to encourage you, grab that book. Grab that book called The Third Option. And uh, we're really grateful for his ministry and, and his word into our church. And just a reminder, that sermon along with every sermon that's ever been preached is on our YouTube channel, is on our podcast channel. And so you can get all of that. And the replay of the service stays on our Facebook page as well. So um, we're going to continue in this series called Who is My Neighbor? We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to read the whole chapter because why not? It's all good. Some of y'all have never heard this passage of scripture outside of weddings or funerals. Well, you're going to hear it in church. And so this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects and it always trusts and it always hopes and it always perseveres. Love never fails. Come on, let's all say that together. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where uh, where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For right now, we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, when that day comes that we step into eternity, um, it will all pass away when we know in part, we prophesy in part, sir. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, this is so powerful. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Can someone just type in the chat real quick? Just type grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. Grow up. For now we see only a, in a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. So now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I'm going to preach about love today. Father, help us. Help us. Help us, I pray. Help us to receive your love and to give it away. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. And amen. Thank you. Amen. So we find ourselves in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The year is 50 AD. It's now 27 years after the resurrection of Christ. And the Corinth church has just been planted. They would go on to experience years of Tremendous supernatural growth, uh, truly a revival, a move of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul tells this church that they lacked in no spiritual gift. They are, they are abounding in the Spirit. 
But now Paul writes to the church in Corinth about five years later. This is now uh, 55 AD. And Paul is correcting the church. If you've never read 1 Corinthians, uh, it's, it's an awkward book. Paul is mad, Paul is frustrated, and Paul is letting them know. I don't know if you've ever been in a, I don't know if you've ever been in an awkward church service where the pastor is just in a bad mood and you're like, oh, this is weird. Why didn't we go to brunch? You know? That's kind of Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians and he is frustrated because they had been experiencing disunity. Sexual immorality, rebellion, immaturity, and the list goes on and on. First Corinthians is literally a, a book of correction. And um, Paul wasn't happy. And yet Paul had a simple and yet profound remedy for their moral sickness. I want you to think about it. It's not that they lacked a true salvation experience. Paul tells them in the first chapter that they're saved. It's not that they needed more of the Holy Spirit. He told them they were not lacking in any spiritual gift. Paul tells the church at Corinth, and maybe I could speak to the church at Las Vegas, you're lacking one thing. Not 10 things, not 100 things, one thing. Not a mysterious thing, one thing. Not a... Not a a, a way out there somewhere thing, but a real simple thing. Paul says you're lacking love. The, the thing that you're, the, let me tell you why all the sexual morality. Let me tell you why all the disunity. Let me tell you why people are getting drunk at the communion table that was happening. And you could read about that. I mean, First Corinthians is literally better than any soap opera or any, any drama series you like on HBO, it was wild, okay? And, and here's what he says. He says, y'all are lacking one thing. You're not lacking holiness, glory to God. You're not lacking truth. You're not lacking faith. You're lacking love. Because if you can get the love thing right, you'll get all the other stuff right. <laughs> love is the call to every believer. Love is the mandate of every disciple. And love is God's standard for Christian living. Love is our foundation, but it is not elementary. Love is our foundation, but it's not elementary. Love is the beginning, but it's also the ending. Love is where we should start, but also where we should end. We don't graduate from love, we mature in love. We don't grow past love, we grow in love. And so now Paul writes in chapter 13 as he is correcting them basically how they do church. Because they did church good. They had wild Holy Ghost church services. But Paul goes, you're, you're missing it. You're playing church, but you're not being the church. You're, you're good at having wild, crazy church services, but you're missing the very fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. And I think that we just need a love reminder today. I think we're all going a little crazy, and I, and I think there's grace for that. But I think we're going crazy for a lot of reasons, but I think, I think we're all a little on edge. Can anyone admit that? We're just on a little on edge, just a little on, just a little on edge. Amen, praise the Lord, just a little on edge. Maybe it's just me. Everyone in this room is leaving me high and dry, but you and me, we're on edge, okay? We're on edge. 
Paul, Paul has to bring them back to love because they are missing the whole point of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So let me give you three simple points today that I think will help us. Everything minus love equals nothing. Everything, you, you, could, you could have a lot. But if you don't got love, you got nothing. Everything minus love equals nothing. Paul said, even if I spoke in tongues, even if I prophesied, even if I did miracles, even if I suffered for the gospel, if I don't have love, I have nothing. Think, think about what Paul says here in, in verses 2 and in verses 3. He says, I am nothing without love and I gain nothing without love. I am nothing without love and I gain nothing without love. Now, I think it's important to remember that this was not James saying this or this was not Peter saying this. This was not even John saying this. This was Paul. This was the grace preacher. This is the man who said that if you have Christ, you have all things. This is the in Christ preacher, Paul. This is the ultimate grace preacher. This is the new creation apostle. This is Paul that by the power of the Holy Spirit taught us that we are in Christ, complete in Christ, clothed in Christ, perfect in Christ, made holy in Christ, saved by Christ, rescued by Christ, sealed by Christ, healed by Christ, redeemed by Christ, on and on in the book of Ephesians, Galatians, and Colossians. And yet now, it's almost like Paul says, now prove it. Like you say you're a believer, Show it. Like if you're, if you're going to say you're a, a Christian, we got to see some fruit. Because there's some people right now, they're walking around saying they're apple trees, but they're giving us sour lemons. And I'm just wondering. Now, now Paul, he's, this, he's the super grace preacher. Just read, if you want to feel better about your life, read Colossians chapter 1 and 2 tonight. Read Galatians 1 and 2 tonight. Read Ephesians 1 and 2 tonight. Read Romans 8 tonight. Paul is the, is the ultimate in Christ preacher. But now he's saying, wait a minute, guys. It's actually got to show up in our walk. And grace, watch me, grace manifests in love. Preach it, pastor. Okay, I'm going to preach it real quick. Grace manifests in love. If I've really received grace, it's going to show up in my love walk. It's not going to show up in I have a revelation about grace. Grace is going to show up in how I treat people. Everything minus love equals nothing. Love is the entire message of Jesus summed up in one word. Love is the entire message of Jesus summed up in one word. One man asked Jesus in Matthew 22, what's the most important commandment? Jesus said, let me sum up the whole old covenant for you. Let me sum up Genesis through Malachi for you. Let me sum up every law, every prophet, every poem, every proverb. Every psalm, every song, let me, let me sum it all up. Y'all ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. This is, this is the whole Old Testament. Love God. Love your neighbor. 
Matthew 22. And then Jesus goes on to now condense the whole New Testament down to love. He, he condenses the whole Old Testament down to love, but now he does the New Testament in John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you. A new commandment. Wait a minute, I thought we already had this old commandment from the old covenant. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, no, 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 now there's even a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. So you're not gonna show love out of grit and determination, but you're now gonna show love by revelation. I'm gonna love you as I have been loved. By this, verse 35, some of you have heard this before, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples. How are people gonna know we're disciples? If you love one another. If you love one another. Preacher, can I not have an opinion? No, I have one for sure. I love, I'm, I love it. But, but Christianity is defined. If you care about your soul, then you better care about your love walk. Okay. Now, John 13 is, is, is deep, y'all. Because Jesus is actually telling his disciples. Here's what he says right before these verses. He goes, hey, guys, I'm leaving. I'm going, I'm going to the Father. I'm, I'm leaving. So love one another. Okay, just please picture this. He just washed the feet of the disciples. They're having dinner in the upper room. They're having the Last Supper. They have been humbled by this beautiful act of generosity when Jesus washes their feet. And he goes, guys, I'm leaving. Last words matter. Love one another. Good. You know what Peter says in the next verse? Where are you going? <laughs> Read your Bible later. Where are you going? <laughs> Jesus just says, guys, this is so paramount that you understand this. I'm trying to give you an image of of how the kingdom is going to come. It's not going to come by force. It's going to come by washing the feet. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come by loving your Judas. It's going to come by serving people. It's going to come by supernatural love. Guys, I'm about to leave. Please love one another. And Peter, with a lamb shank in his hand, goes, where are you going, Jesus? And it's funny but it's actually really sex. I think we're asking the same question. Yeah. Yeah. Can I be honest? I'm asking this. I'm just guilty. Because we got Christians asking things like, what is God doing right now? Yeah. Where is God moving in the earth right now? What is God saying in all of this? What's next? Are we in the end times? And we don't even love each other. I'm pausing for effect. <laughs> What's this prophet say? What's that prophet say? Have you seen this? Did you hear about this guy's vision? I got a vision. It's John 13. Love one another. Y'all, 
I hate to say it, but I think we're like Peter. We're asking all the wrong questions. What is God doing, preacher? Love. What's, where's God going today? Love. What's God saying in 2020? Love. What's next for the church? Love. Is this the end of the world? Love. Because if it is, I want God to find me loving him and loving people. Not going, I figured it out. I figured it out. He's not coming back for know-it-alls. He's coming back for love-it-alls. He's coming back for people that are humble enough to wash feet, serve people. Love God. Love others. Love our neighbor. Love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Love is our only choice because it's the only thing God gave us. Preacher, what about truth? Yes, speak truth in love. Preacher, what about faith? Faith only works by love. But what about grace? Grace is love expressed. What about justice? Justice is love in action. What about racism? Racism proves we don't know how to love yet. Everything minus Love equals nothing. And I find myself like Peter in John 13, asking the wrong. I got wet feet from my Savior who just served me. And I'm asking the wrong questions. When I should be saying, Holy Spirit, how do I do that? How do, I, how do I do what you've done for me? I'm all messed up. <laughs> number two. God is love. That was just number one. Amen. <laughs> Help me, Lord. God is love. God is love. Everybody, come on, say that. Say God is love. First John chapter four, verse eight. I'll just read the B clause to you. God is love. So we could say God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. Love is kind. I, let's not miss kindness. See, because I think when we talk like this, it's like, oh, this is like, like we think of like when we talk about kindness or love, it's like, oh, that's like the... Like the flaky Christians, like, we just need to love more, man. We just need to love. And I, and, I, and I think that we forget that, like, don't let, a, don't let someone like that mess you up. We need to love more. We need kindness. Like, kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians. Love is kind. 
Are you being kind? Love is humble. Are you being humble? From, from, from how you treat your kids to how you post on Facebook, are you being humble? From how you talk to your wife to how you talk to someone you disagree with, are you being humble? Are you... Love honors. The Bible says love does not dishonor others, verse 5. Love honors. That, that means that I'm going to choose to celebrate your strengths and not get so caught up on your weaknesses. That's what honor means. I see your weaknesses, but I'm going to get caught up on them. I'm going to choose to celebrate your strengths because you're my brother, you're my sister. What in your life is not helping you love? Do less of it. <laughs> what in your life is taking away love? Do less of that. What in your life helps you love? Do more of that. What feeds love? Do more of that. See, verse 9 says something that I think we, we, we missed the whole point. Paul says, we know in part. Like, we don't know it all yet, but one day when perfection comes and we're going to know it all, we, we don't know everything yet. We prophesy in part. We, know in, we don't know it all. We, there's, there's mysteries to the scripture, and there's mysteries to when things happen in our life that we don't understand. There's, we, we just know in part. And, and I think we can get caught up on what we don't know, trying to figure out what God is not going to let us know. But here's one thing I do know. That love never fails. There's a lot I don't know. There's a few things I do know. One of them is love is the answer. <laughs> There's a lot of mystery in my life. There's one thing that is not a mystery. Love is the call of the believer. There's a lot of things I don't have answers for. There's one area I do have an answer. Love is the answer. So we know in part, don't get caught up on what you don't know. Stay focused on what you do know. Don't get stuck on what you don't know what to do. Stay focused on what you do know what to do. What, what do you know to do? Love. Be kind. Be patient. Show honor. Protect. The Bible said love protects. Protect. Care for your brother and sister. That's what we know to do. And I think so many times we want like a deep revelation. Because we, we know in part and we want revelation. And, and we miss what we ought to know. We miss the clear things. Like being nice. <laughs> like being sweet. Like being kind. So here's a, here's a question I'm asking from, from those verses. Am I protecting, trusting, hoping, and persevering? Because that's what love does. That's what the Bible just said. The Bible said love protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. So that, that, I'm asking myself that right now. Am I protecting? Am I trusting? 
Am I hoping and persevering? And what, what is in my life that is stopping me from doing those things because I'm going to work to get those things out of my life so I can do a better job protecting, trusting, hoping, persevering. I'll give you one more. Love is the defining mark of Christian maturity. Love is the defining mark of Christian maturity. Y'all still with me? Come on, say amen. Let, let this preacher know I'm not alone. Okay, okay. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. It's a choice. Paul relates maturity to love, adulthood to love, manhood to love, growing up to growing in love. I wonder tonight if you would like to know, wonder today if you'd like to know, where's my spiritual maturity at? Where's my, where's my spiritual life really at? Put your life up against 1 Corinthians 13. How do you measure up? Because that's where you're at. If you read 1 Corinthians 13 and go, I don't see myself anywhere. (laughs) You got some growing up to do. If you read 1 Corinthians 13 and go, oh, I need to work on that and that. Good, good, good. You got some growing up to do. See, God is so kind. He's so loving. He's so gracious that he actually gives us his word to cause repentance. So I look at my life and I look at the word and I go, whoop, got to level up. It's a good thing. This isn't, this isn't bad. This isn't heavy. This is, this is grace. This is mercy. This is, okay, okay, that's what love looks like. Okay, God, thank you. Okay, now this word love, I've said it hundreds of times during this message, is the Greek word called agape. If you want to speak Greek, let's all say it together. Everyone say agape. Okay, you're a Bible scholar. You, you just... Agape means to prefer. Just think about that for to prefer. Just I'm I'm giving you the right of way. To prefer. To show benevolence, to show goodwill, to show affection. And then this crazy meaning of agape. Y'all ready? It's love feasts. Love feasts. To have a love feast. This idea of a love feast is to literally share a meal with somebody. To agape, to have the God kind of supernatural love is to sit down at a table with somebody and share a meal. Eye to eye. Heart to heart, respect, time. Don't just cut somebody out of your life because they posted something or said something or thought something that you don't think. Instead, go, hey, let's, let's have lunch. Let's go have a coffee. I want to understand. 
I see the world differently than you. I might be wrong. <gasps> Imagine that. You might be wrong. I might be right. You might be right. I don't know. Maybe we're both wrong. Maybe we're both right. But I love you. And I love you more than I love, than I care about your view on a certain thing. I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. So I don't want to be mad at you. I want to talk to you. I want to have a love feast because that's what agape does. Agape eats together. Okay, I've taken too long, but I got to keep going now. Okay, so now we, we go to John 4. I'm almost done. John 4. We're going to come back to John 4, but I got to give you this. John 4, uh, verse 4, John says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to. He had to go through Samaria. Why is this important? Because the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. If you want to talk about racial tension, if you want to talk about division, the Jews and Samaritans hated each other. Um, the Samaritans were a group of Jewish people that ended up marrying into Gentile uh, nations. And so the, the true Jews, as it were in their mind, uh, thought of them as sellouts. They, they hated them for what they had done. And so now, th that's why, by the way, the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, that's why there's so much drama because it's like, duh, it's tight, right? And so now Jesus is... is going back to a city, and he tells his disciples, guys, I have to go through Samaria. And his disciples go, why? So he goes, and he sits down at a well, right? And he starts talking to a Samaritan woman. And the woman was so shocked by the conversation. Go read it tonight. You'll see all the tension right there. She goes, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? We don't talk. We don't interact. We don't do this. Because Jewish men didn't talk to Samaritan women, especially rabbis. And then Jesus does something scandalous, shocking, surprising, wonderful for us, offensive to his disciples. He says, uh, give me a drink of water. May I have a drink of water? I don't know if you've ever thought about her response in verse 11. Sir, you have nothing to draw with. Because a Jew and a Samaritan would never share the same cup. Jews thought it was unclean. It was as segregated as a water fountain was just a few years ago in our nation. You wouldn't drink from that. And so a Jewish rabbi walks up to a Samaritan woman, by the way, a divorcee who's now shacking up with her boo. And he goes, give me some of your water. She goes, you have not, you, 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 you don't have anything to drink with. We don't drink from the same cup. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm just asking you. Because love 
is the ultimate expression of Christian maturity. Here's all I'm asking you. We're talking about a love feast. Here's all I'm asking you. I'm just asking you to share a cup with somebody. Maybe you cannot share it in experience. Maybe you cannot share it in family history. Maybe, but maybe if you just sat down with somebody, when you read something they post and go, oh my gosh, we see the world so differently. Maybe the next move is not to light them up. <laughs> Let me have the keys come up, make this sound softer than it is. Come on, <laughs> I'm serious. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the next move is not to argue. Maybe the next move is to go, can we get a coffee? I do not see life like you see life, but maybe if we share the same cup, maybe if we talk, we, it might even get a little heated. We might even argue a little bit, but we're in a coffee shop, so we're going to keep it cool. But maybe our hearts will expand and maybe our love will grow and maybe our maybe we'll get smarter, maybe we'll get better, maybe we'll get bigger if we would just choose to go to the well of someone that's different than us and say, Can we can we have a drink? Because maybe if I drink from your cup, maybe, maybe if I see it from your perspective, maybe my heart will expand doesn't mean we'll agree on everything. We won't. You won't agree on everything with anybody. All the married people say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You won't agree with anybody on everything. Of course not. But I love what Pastor Miles McPherson said. It's hard to hate someone you've really gotten to know. Say it again, Pastor Miles. I'm going to. It's hard to hate someone you've really gotten to know. And it's just as difficult to agree with someone you don't know. I'm just asking City Light Church to share somebody's cup. Maybe it's a political cup. Maybe it's a racial cup. Maybe I don't know what it is. But while the world and media is trying to tear us apart... The church has to say, this is not working. Can I talk to you? Can I hug you? Can I hear your voice? Can we go to Chili's? Because I think if we start eating chips and queso, we just going to feel Jesus. Y'all know that's anointed. Can we just sit down at the same well and talk to each other, not at each other? The beautiful author, I love this man so much, Bob Goff, he said, I used to want to fix people. But now I just want to be with them. I used to want to fix people. Now I just want to be with them. We might, we might disagree, but it's going to be over a meal. We may not see the world the same, but it's going to be over the same cup. We, not, we may not have perfect 100% agreement on every issue, but we can still have supernatural unity. And of course, we know this would not be the last cup that Jesus would share. My Father, is it possible 
Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not my will. Matthew 26, 39. That was our cup of suffering. That was our death. That was our pain. But Jesus chose to drink from our cup so we could drink from his cup. So Father, I pray that you would, by the working of the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 5, pour out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't have any answers to today's problems, Lord. I don't have... But I know that love will heal. I know that love will move us forward. So we surrender every opinion to love. We surrender every conviction to love. We surrender every idea to love. We surrender our hearts to your love. Oh God, that we would love like Jesus. This is our prayer. You're watching right now and you do not know the Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. He took on that judgment, that pain of the cross. You might receive the blessing of God, that you might drink from the cup of blessing. If you need forgiveness today, if you need to rededicate your life to Christ today, pray this prayer with me. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to him now. Pray with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. So I turn from my old life. I turn to you. And I declare, Jesus is Lord of my life. Amen. And amen and amen. Praise God. It's the best decision you've ever made. There's something coming up on the screen right now that will give you some more instruction. But I'm going to have Pastor Griffin come up and just give you just uh, two quick things, I think, before we dismiss. And uh, I love you so much, church. Can't wait to continue this conversation. And... uh, I love how God is already expanding our hearts to love like never before. In Jesus' name. Come on, Griff. Come on up. Thank you.